Hey, welcome to The Scrum, WGBH's politics podcast. I'm Adam Riley with Peter Kadzis. Hey, Peter. Hey. In this episode, you're going to hear a conversation Peter and I had with Joe McQuaid, the former publisher of the New Hampshire Union Leader and now the paper's editor-at-large. For decades, candidates running in New Hampshire's first-in-the-nation presidential primary have coveted the union leader's endorsement. And given this year's extremely crowded Democratic field, a nod from the paper could help one fortunate candidate eke out a victory. But first, Peter, I got to get your take on escalating tensions between the U.S. and Iran. Here is a little snippet of what President Trump told the country on Wednesday morning. The time has come for the United Kingdom, Germany, France, Russia, and China to recognize this reality. They must now break away from the remnants of the Iran deal, or JCPOA. And we must all work together toward making a deal with Iran that makes the world a safer and more peaceful place. So, Peter, what's your take on where all of this is heading? Well, big picture, uh, this is what happens when you let Saturday Night Live make your foreign policy. Um, where it's heading, and, and we're recording an hour after the president spoke, um, uh, I'm hoping is nowhere. Um, the killing of the Iranian general in Iraq was um, a, 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 a tactical move with no strategic end. Um, the Iranian response has been, um, I think, choreographed to show that they are a proud nation, that they won't be pushed around, but they don't want to piss off the United States any more than they have to. By the way, that sounds very nationalistic. I don't mean it that way. Um, the advantage Iran enjoys in the Middle East and the Near East is asymmetrical. In other words, the smaller the action, the greater their advantage. If they were to escalate into, say, bombing Haifa or Dubai, um, they risk um, attack by B-52s or nelsons. In other words, the, the more something like this escalates, the greater the disadvantage Iran is at. Keeping it small uh, plays to their strengths. Politically, what could have been disastrous for the president has, I think, been neutralized. Now, this is going to outrage a lot of people, but I'm being clinical. Uh, I think it was a dangerous and reckless thing that he did. If he doesn't do anything any crazier before this podcast, you know, hits the ground, um, I think it'll be something of a wash for him. All right, now on to our conversation with Joe McQuaid, the former publisher and now editor-at-large of the New Hampshire Union Leader. Along with his son, Brendan, McQuaid is going to determine who that paper endorses in the upcoming Democratic and Republican primaries. If his name rings a bell, it might be because McQuaid publicly sparred with then-candidate Donald Trump in the 2016 election accusing Trump of insulting voters' intelligence, retracting the union leader's endorsement of Chris Christie after he became a Trump sycophant, and eventually endorsing libertarian Gary Johnson in the general. It was the first time in a century that the union leader hadn't endorsed a Republican for president. Things have changed a bit since we talked with McQuaid during that election cycle. 
He's stepped down as publisher, and the union leader has downsized, dropped its Saturday print edition, and become a tenant in the building it used to own. But its endorsement is still coveted. We sat down with McQuaid and got his take on Trump's takeover of the GOP, the big issues for New Hampshire voters, and how various Democrats might fare against Trump in the general. Listen closely, and you'll hear some tantalizing clues about which lucky Democrat is going to get the paper's nod in a few weeks. We should refer to you now by your new title. You are no longer the publisher. You are? I'm the editor-at-large. Very distinguished. Yeah, I stole that from Buckley. Yeah. (laughs) He did that after he retired from the National Review. The last time we talked to you, uh, four years ago, give or take, had you guys already run that piece, I think you had, that said that Donald Trump insults New Hampshire voters' intelligence? Do you remember the piece I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. I think that's the one where we compared him with Biff from Back to the Future 2, not knowing, I, honest to God, I did not know that the screenwriter had based the adult Biff character after Donald Trump. Wait, no, he did? Yes, I didn't did. know that. That is, that has been that is come news out to in me. a lot of magazines. I totally missed then. that. You know, when we're talking about the Republican primary, um, there will be a turnout of Trump forces, but independents are the big wild card in any primary. And I suspect that with such a big race on the Democratic side, that that's where most of the independents are going to go. There may be some who are so riled up about Trump that they do a protest vote for Weld or somebody else. And I don't know which side Vermin Supreme is running on. That's the big question. My, my, personal favorite. <laughs> so the reason I brought up that that piece that you guys ran, very critical of then-candidate Trump, is that y- you talked about the basically complete takeover of the New Hampshire GOP. I'm paraphrasing, but uh, uh, I think that's close to what you were yeah. saying by President Trump. As someone who's watched politics in this state as long as you have what is it that you think has allowed the president to capture so completely not just the New Hampshire GOP, but the GOP nationally in a really short period of time? How did he do it? He won. He's won big. He's um, made some moves that please Republicans. Um, And Republicans, just like Democrats, and I'm sorry, but I'm also getting cynical at my advanced age, are in it to stay in it. And principles don't have as much meaning as as they ought to have in this republic of ours. And Trump has has won, and he's uh, blown over any party opposition, including going to those states where a politician may dare to question him or criticize him, and primaried them, a word that shouldn't be a verb, but even I'm used to now. You may be primaried if you don't support the the Trump platform hook, line, and sinker. So that has made a difference. There are currently three announced Republican candidates for the U.S. Senate seat, which is up this year, currently held by Gene Shaheen. All three of them are Trump supporters right down the line. And when the lovely Corey Lewandowski decided that he wasn't going to get in, he could have won it, he said, and he could have beaten Shaheen, but he's got other th- things to do. When he uh, decided that, 
we did a reaction story, and all three of the remaining candidates were falling all over themselves to say what a great guy uh, Corey Lewandowski was, and they're the next best pro-Trump thing in the New Hampshire market. I don't think that's going to do them or the Republicans a lot of good come the general election, um, because despite the takeover of the Republican Party, I don't think a lot of people are all that um, enamored of Trump. So You mean on a personal level? Well, a personal translating perhaps to political. Who knows? It's, it's been three and a half years. Um, it's going to get closer, and there's going to be an election in November. And the country is divided, and those who are with Trump and even some who are against Trump say, Trump's going to win. And those who are um, allied with the anti-Trump forces say, no, somebody else is going to take it. We'll see. Do you feel like the New Hampshire primary is still working the way it's supposed to? You talked about the, you know, I, I don't know which candidate I like. I've only met each of them three times. Adage, is it is it operating as intended or, you know, the, the Democratic debates held by CNN and others that have this criteria for yeah. you've got to reach a certain number in the polls, you've got to reach a certain uh, uh, fundraising tally. Has that sort of eroded New Hampshire's ability to act as gatekeeper in the way it traditionally has? Well, it's funny when you say it is, is it operating the way it's supposed to operate. It's operated differently every time out. And, and while I'm a big fan of personal up-close campaigning, which a lot is still going on, some of it by the candidates who don't get on the stage. Um, but in 1952, the Republican candidate who won uh, was not in the country. He was not campaigning. Who was this? His name was Dwight David Eisenhower. And he had actually campaigned here in 1948 which nobody knows. He was the guest of William Loeb's uh, erstwhile partner in the Union Leader and came to Manchester in uniform and gave a speech in front of City Hall and shortly after said, nah, politics isn't for, for generals. But in 52, he won without being in the state. In 1964, the guy who won the Republican primary wasn't on the ballot and wasn't in the country. Massachusetts guy. Help me out, Peter. <laughs> I got to punt this to you. 1964. Four. Rockefeller um, versus Goldwater. They both lost to a write-in who was our oh. ambassador to South Vietnam. Yeah, Lodge. There you go. Okay. Lodge who engineered Eisenhower's victory. Oh, he, was played a key he, role. He did, as did uh, Sherman Adams. Sherman so Adams, So when right. you say, you know, operate the way it is and it's retail politics— not always. Every time everybody says this is the New Hampshire primary, turns out to be something else. And people read the tea leaves after and they say, well, he won because he spent more time here or he didn't spend time here. Um, so in, in 68, did Lyndon Johnson, who did win the primary. He was a write-in. He LBJ, he, LBJ, LBJ was, was the write-in. Write that's right. But McCarthy Beat, beat him, him because 
McCarthy oh, got we, a hell of a right. lot more votes than he was supposed to. I say it was due to his campaign manager, who was my dad's partner in starting the New Hampshire Sunday News, a guy named Blair Clark. Correct. Later became CBS News president. So what role will you play in the endorsement process when the union leader uh, <laughs> makes its endorsement? As editor-at-large, former publisher? Yeah, my son and I will, will, will work together on it. Um, but I have emails on my phone from the past few days um, asking me for editorial board meetings with candidates, including Senator Warren. That came in last night to my personal email. When can we have an editorial board? Well, I'd like to, but we don't have an editorial board. <laughs> we, we don't. Um, so I'm not asking you to reveal this here with us because obviously that would be a stupid ask. Do you feel like you and your son already have a pretty good sense of where the paper is going to head when it comes time to endorse? I, I do, but my son's the final say uh, in it, and um, I've been sort of nudging him. Um, but he's he's his own guy, and he could beat the hell out of me if he wanted to. So, <laughs> but I, I, I write most of the editorials for the paper. That's largely my job here now. So when's it when's it going to come out your endorsement? I predict before February 11th. Can we hold you to that? Sounds, sounds yes. like a smart piece of timing. <laughs> yeah. A lot of Democratic yes. candidates. Nobody has caught a great deal of fire, and I think that's because a lot of people, besides the Democratic base, are looking for somebody, some real um, second coming guy or gal who's going to come in and knock off Trump. That hasn't happened yet. At the moment, um, according to the real clear politics average of polls, um, Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders, your, your neighbor, um, is the leading candidate in New Hampshire. Does that surprise you? Or I mean, he was very strong last time. Yes, he was. There were fewer candidates last time. I, I, I tell you, the polls, frankly, I cringe when our newspaper cites polls in most of these stories as a barometer right. of where the candidate stands. The poll is the New Hampshire presidential primary, and I think it's got to get a, closer to that. Um, what are we, five weeks? Five weeks and one day out from it. Um, I don't place a lot of stock in polls, especially when there are so many candidates. I think a lot of it is name recognition. No, why you, you, That's why you see Biden and Sanders at, at the top of the polls. Well, let me rephrase the question and say Bernie Sanders did really well the last time yeah. out. I think he won. He won. He beat Hillary. I, I remember because my sole presidential prediction was that Bernie Sanders would win the New Hampshire primary. Hillary Clinton would win the nomination. That's pretty good, Peter. Yeah, and <laughs> the one I'm proud of, but I didn't go far enough, was I said that if Donald Trump won by as much as he was projected to win, he would win the Republican nomination and would have a chance of being elected president. I stopped short. <laughs> but, but anyway, enough patting myself on the back. What Sanders has a track record in the state from four years ago. He's a neighbor, as is Elizabeth yeah. Warren. I've always wondered, do you think this neighbor business is overblown? Yes. 
Yeah, I do too. It doesn't. I, I don't think it really translates all that much. I think Dukakis had an edge here. He was still in office, right, when he ran? Yes. Right? And Boston media, you guys should be happy to know, still has and certainly did at the time, had a great influence on especially southern New Hampshire. Yeah. So I think that could help a, a neighboring candidate. But I don't think it's got a lot of influence up here. I think um, Clinton, clever guy that he was, called himself the comeback kid and said he would have finished first, but the other guy was from next door, Songus. Yeah. But Songus didn't go anywhere. I don't think the neighborhood, neighborhood thing means that much. Um, Joe, there are two former Massachusetts governors, Bill Weld, who will be visiting you right, right when we wrap up, and Deval Patrick, who were running in their respective parties for the Democratic nomination. Republican um, and the Democrat and Republican yep. no nomination. Um, pardon me for being a cynic, but do either of them have a, snowball a snowball's chance in hell? I, I haven't got a feel for, for Deval Patrick yet. Um, he, he didn't get a lot of noise when he declared. Governor Weld, um, good soldier, but he's not going anywhere in a Republican Party that is been taken over lock, stock, and barrel by, by the Trump forces. Well, that's pretty much the case in Massachusetts, although I think the split in Massachusetts versus New Hampshire is more pronounced in Massachusetts. The split within the Republican Party oh, between right. the, the, the pro and anti-Trump forces. Think, I think your governor, uh, Baker, is more prone to speak out with some differences uh, as opposed to Governor Sununu. There's no daylight <laughs> that I have right. seen between him and the Trump forces. Um, just trying to project f forward a bit. Um, what percentage of the vote do you think Bill Weld might have a chance of garnering as a protest vote against? 5%. Okay. This is a wild arse guess, but this, this is not one. Uh, I think even if a, a bigger name like Kasich or somebody got in, he wouldn't get much more than that. I want to go back to your statement that Democrats are looking for a second coming kind of candidate. It sounded like you were tiptoeing up saying a you know, second coming of Barack Obama, that sort of candidate that will get all the Democrats excited. Am I right about that? Well, they're looking for somebody who will get them excited, and they have not found such a person. And a lot of people have misgivings about my buddy Joe Biden. Um, because he's a little long in the tooth, right? Um, and this this story that has been developed in the last month that, well, he he's, he's, he makes these misstatements because he's a lifelong stutterer. Oh, where did that come from? It, it might be true, but it was never part of his uh, resume before. What's your history with Biden? You talk about him being your old buddy, but... Uh, he, was, he was nice enough to come up and be a speaker at the... Uh, First Amendment event for the uh, Nanki Loeb School, which uh, is a little school which is right up the straight street from here, and also owns the majority I was gonna say. of the union leader, which is probably also why we 
remain um, independent and above water uh, because of that. Uh, but the, the Loeb School um, stands on its own and its big fundraiser each year is that First Amendment event. And Biden was nice enough to come up. But we had said nice things about Biden dating back to before he was vice president for Obama. He, he struck us as a, as a middle-of-the-road kind of guy who was not extreme. Um, go ahead. So given that, as you watch the way he's campaigned so far, how do you think a hypothetical campaign pitting him, if he's the Democratic nominee, against President Trump would play out? Would he give the Democrats some of that hope that you're talking about them seeking? Or do you think he'd be dead in the water taking on the president? I think he's going to have a, would have a tough time of it because think about um, the Ukraine situation. If Trump does debate, and he may not this time, he's pretty pretty cagey guy, and he's always he's already given out hints that he may not. What's in it for him to do that? And even though the news media and a lot of uh, Paul Sy professionals would say, "What do you mean you're not going to debate?" We've had debates since Lincoln Douglas, right? Um, tr Trump doesn't have a playbook. He throws things out. He may say, I'll debate you by Twitter, you know, for the next 20 minutes. But if he were to do that, and even if he doesn't, his, he and his surrogates are certainly going to throw up Ukraine. Are you kidding? Me, Ukraine? Biden, Ukraine. Biden's son, Ukraine. It's not false uh, that... Biden's son got paid a lot of bucks for not doing much work while his father was vice president of the United States in charge of Ukrainian affairs. That's, that's a terrible negative against Biden. Yeah, my, my Democratic friends, um, <clears throat> I honestly have no presidential politics. The Republicans don't do it for me. The Democrats don't do it for me. I'll leave it at that. But when this whole Ukrainian affair began, I said in the long run, this is in Twitter and on the air, in the long run, this is bad for Joe Biden sure. for the very reason that you said. And people would be jumping down my throat. Well, Biden's done. It doesn't matter. What matters is that, as you said, his son, a family member, was on the on a Ukrainian payroll while he was doing something else. And it's worth saying not just any Ukrainian payroll. Yeah, the Ukrainian pay, payroll very good sketchy oh, company. Absolutely. So. And and that I think the media was blind to this. Yes, mm, I don't uh, I would respectfully sorry to, I didn't mean to talk over our guest, but you had uh, uh, Matt Gates in the impeachment hearings reading into the record the New Yorker story that highlighted Hunter Biden's problematic connections in Ukraine. I feel like the media's driven this. Oh, I don't. I disagree. I don't. I don't think that that it's really top of mind presence for the media. And I won't as, argue with that. As a result of this, so he'll argue with me, but he won't <laughs> argue with you. <laughs> as, as a result of this, people don't understand exactly what the connection is, but it's there, and all Trump and his people have to do is throw that out there. Plus, I'm sorry. But Joe Biden's surviving son is by himself got a lot of questions in his background. And that kind of thing will not be reported, nor should it be, by the mainstream media. But 
the Trump forces will be churning out stuff about Biden's kid and did you know about Biden's kid and the son who died and the other son, right, took on with the wife. Yeah, that's not a great look. It's not a great look. So I, th I think the Democrats would be wrong to go with Biden. Okay, so there's a Biden-Trump campaign and how it might work. I think both Peter and I would probably love to get you imagining in a similar vein. Let's do, uh, should we say, Bernie Sanders, Trump, <laughs> and of course, Elizabeth Warren, who we haven't even talked about, who had this great climb in the polls in New Hampshire and nationally and now has been going the wrong way yeah, for a while. Yeah, she's, so. she's uh, really slumped, and I'm not sure what it is. I don't think she uh, gained any points by uh, knocking Mayor Pete in the, in the wine cave. I, I, I thought Buttigieg come back to that in the so-called debate. None of these are debates, but he said, you know, I'm probably the only one up yeah. here who's not a millionaire, and you're knocking me. I will go wherever I need to go to get money to get this nomination to beat this guy. That played better for him than Klobuchar saying, well, that's nice, Mayor Pete, but, you know, what, what elections have you won? There's not a lot of attention being paid to how many votes has he ever gotten in a race? I think 14,000? Someone mentioned to me that South Bend is smaller than Framingham. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's a yeah. very small community. It's got, it's got Notre Dame and, and, a, and a newspaper. All right, so let's imagine that Warren makes a comeback for the ages and she ends up as the nominee. You think she could hang with the president? I think she could hang better than, uh, than Biden could. And I think she's very smart. She's very good one-on-one. -on -one. Um, I guess that's a practiced art in politics, but she is really good at connecting one-on-one -on -one with people. How that translates into a, into a national fight with, with Trump, um, she has to take the high ground, and she's got some negatives too. If, I, if I'm Trump, I'm going Howie Carr on her, I'm going Hiawatha, <laughs> I'm going, uh, you know, what story is is your bio this week, lady, right? And and the money that she's made and now wants to make sure that nobody else makes big bucks without being taxed at a great rate about it. And I think some of some of her math um, bears more scrutiny about how she's going to pay for everything. And that leaves just to to stop pressing for you to do this imaginary exercise. No, no, no. It's that leaves fine. well. Uh, that leaves Biden. Right? Pardon me. Well, that, Buttigieg. That, well, you're right. We got Buttigieg and we have Sanders, um, who I think of as the favorite in New Hampshire. Whatever the polls may have said, just because yeah. he's next door, he won it so handily last time. So yeah. play this out for those two, and then I'll give Peter a chance well, to get I a word in edgewise. Uh, for my aunt's sake, uh, Amy Klobuchar from Minnesota, who has also been rising in these polls, which I don't give a lot of street cred to. But I've seen a lot of people um, in recent weeks say that she seems more moderate and has a track record of reaching across the aisle. So she may be a factor in this thing, too. I think Buttigieg has a lot going for him, but the unspoken one is that He's a gay guy who has, he's married, right? And the White House with a gay couple, um, who's ready for that in the United States? Is that a bridge too far this time? Plus, he's so damn young, right? He's, he's under 40, 
And as Senator Klobuchar said, what's your experience? You know, you lost a statewide race for, it wasn't dog catcher, it was treasurer or something? I think that's right, yeah. 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 Uh, well, I, um, dedicated listeners will remember this anecdote, but at Easter time, at my family Easter dinner, um, it was very interesting that um, the adults, the, the parents, Adults, they, everyone's an adult now. The the parents were very open to Buttigieg. I mean, the, the, mm. this this was obviously back in the spring. The younger people, voters, were very skeptical because of age. Because of age, I think they were thinking, you know, they're right. th- you know they're in their age. late twenties and thirties. Say, wait a second, I'm smart. I'm not smart enough to be president. That's, uh, that's Experienced inter- enough. That's interesting. Um, in 1960, my mother. She's a Republican anyways, but she thought Kennedy was too young and inexperienced, yeah. <laughs> even though he'd been through a war. And that was 20, 15, 20 years removed for it. Of course, my mother was also right. She said if they'd let Eisenhower run again, he would have clobbered both of them, Nixon, Nixon, oh, yeah. Nixon and, and Kennedy. Yeah, Buttigieg, he's got youth going for him. He's also got youth uh, going against him on it, which, again, the, the default for people, because he's staked out more moderate positions and says, no, we can't pay for everything, maybe a Klobuchar. Buttigieg was here yesterday. I think we covered him at Southern New Hampshire University, and he had something like 800 people there, and some were already committed, and some were still testing, not testing the waters, but looking at various candidates, which is great about New Hampshire. Right, you know the old saw. You know who are you going to vote for? What do you think of so and so? I don't know. I've only met him three times. Yeah, that that, that can make a difference. It's interesting when you mention Klobuchar because we've never talked about this on the podcast. She is my. I, I believe that she would be the best president. I don't. Mm. Th- I don't think she can win the nomination. But I, for reasons you enunciated, you know, she's tough-minded. She knows how to reach across the aisle. Um, but she's not particularly charismatic. No, she's not. And by the way, I think that would be good for the country. Well, uh, my, my son um, has said favorable things about uh, Bennett from Colorado. He's and, another and interesting then, one. Then, but yeah, I think Gorbachev's got a better chance because she's a she. And I think the Democrats are more in the mood for trying to get a woman elected president than another white male figure. But my son liked Bennett for the line that, believe me, if I'm president, you won't hear from me for weeks on end. (laughs) And that was a good thing. Yeah, the mind boggles, you know, trying to imagine what that would be like. That would be refreshing. Oh, my goodness, yeah. No tweets every every second. So um, it's still open in the polls, yeah. Okay, so what about Sanders versus Trump? I think that would be the most fun, especially if Trump decided to debate Sanders um, and Sanders would show off, well, the heart attack thing was a mere blip to him. Remember when I no you don't. When Eisenhower had his heart attack, <laughs> it was it was huge. What's gonna happen to the country? And Dr. Paul Dudley White had to get people out on bicycles and you can actually survive heart attacks. So I think it would be good. Um, 
And it would be a free-for-all that might have a different outcome. I think Sanders might have a chance, but he's so far to the left on so many things, and he honeymoons in the Soviet Union. I'm channeling yeah, that's Trump. My, that's my favorite part, that he went. He and his wife went to Moscow for the honeymoon. However, I, I am not and was not a Bernie Sanders devotee. Mm-hmm. However, I recognized his appeal. I People think I'm crazy. I think if it had been Bernie Sanders, um, Donald Trump, we might have had a different outcome. Oh, th- Trump is president because of Hillary Clinton. Yes. The country was exhausted of Clintons. She was not popular at all. It looked to a lot of Democrats that she had, she and Deborah Wasserman Schultz had just steamrolled the nomination for her. And the people in the country were fed up with politicians. So they did the wild card. When Trump came here, the first of several times. I go out to greet him like I greeted you guys, right? And he's looking in back of me. And I turn around. The entire newspaper staff is out to see Trump. And I said to my son later, what's that all about? Dad, the guy's a TV star. He's, you know, supposedly really wealthy. He's, if not notorious, and now he's running for president. Everybody wants to see him. They not only wanted to see him, they threw the dice in the country and said, what the hell, him better than Hillary. Yeah, I think it would have been closer with, with Bernie um, because he's, he's not your average politician. He's his own guy. What's your sense, Joe, of um, we all know primaries, elections are a lot about emotion, a lot about personality. As a New Hampshire resident, what do you think the two or three top issues are on the voters' minds, be they Democrat or Republican? You know, let's try to transcend the, the party divide. What are, what, are, what are voters in New Hampshire most concerned about, do you think? I think economy is always one of the big three issues, and the economy now is good, although with the latest from the Mideast, the stock market is getting jittery, and that can have an effect on them. Healthcare was not the big issue back in the day, um, even when Clinton was running and people after him, that it is now. I think healthcare, the cost of healthcare, where are you going to get it and why does it keep going up, is probably the issue that drives things more than anything. Um, now, there hasn't been a lot of argument on the Republican side about this because they took the same pipe that the Democrats took in 2000 and voted for uh, Medicare Part D with the government paying for it, whether you could afford it or not. But now it has gotten so extreme and costly for people. They see these bills. They see the Medicare bills. This is what the customary payment is. Um, you owe $20,000, only you don't owe $20,000. I don't think people can understand the bills that they're getting, and that confuses and concerns them. So I'd say it's health care first, economy second, and now with the um, killing of Soleimani in, the, in Iran, uh, Iraq rather, that uh, Mideast again will come up, Mideast and, and world affairs. 
On that note, Joe McQuaid, editor-at-large of the New Hampshire Union Leader. Thank you for taking the time to talk with us. Uh, You're welcome. Happy to do it. And that is going to do it for another installment of The Scrum. Thanks to Joe McQuaid of the Manchester Union Leader for talking with me and Peter, and to you for taking the time to listen. Subscribe to The Scrum if you haven't already. Rate us while you're at it, and let us know if you have good or bad or even neutral feedback. You can email us at scrum at wgbh.org or find us on Twitter. I'm at Riley Adam, and Peter is at Kadzis. Also, I'm very happy to report that the Scrum has a new producer, Zoe Matthews. She's an Eagle Tribune alum. She also works on Boston Public Radio, and you can find her on Twitter at Zoe S. Matthews. A word of warning, Matthews only has one T. We also got crucial production help for this episode from Gary Mott. I'm Adam Riley. The Scrum is a production of WGBH News.